you know I don't listen to podcasts, right? Right. No, I'm thinking other people who listen to our <laughs> podcast <laughs> might listen to podcasts. <laughs> I just don't believe I just don't believe in the platform. I see. I see. Yes, I understand. <laughs> My lord. <laughs> Before we started to do this, I thought people still were getting on their iPods and listening and downloading the podcast. I'm like, what are they doing? Okay, I'll do it. Welcome to My Racist Friend, a podcast about the messy parts of relationships that help us grow together. I'm Amy McKees. And I'm Don Griffin. But Don, guess what? What? I have generalist social work interns, and they helped me this week. They made a whole document called This Week in Racism. Oh, nice. <laughs> yes, it's fantastic. That's almost a show by itself, This Week in Racism. Yeah. I was thinking of something like uh, your moment in science. Oh, yeah. I don't think it'd be a moment, though. <laughs> oh, my God. Can I just say it is three pages long? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. Of links. It's sort of fun. You know, we open is with... <laughs> open with... White man delays opening door to cop knock for several minutes and doesn't get shot at or murdered. Well, that's not a form of racism. That's what should all happen to all of us. I mean, we should all have that ability. That's the problem. Go ahead. What else we got? <laughs> well, uh, my favorite is uh, an article in the IDS about the Bloomington Racial Equity Task Force. Hold on, aren't I on that? I think I'm on that, so wait it's just a minute. I'm the group that has created that group. <laughs> so, Don, Don. What? Go, go ahead, what are they saying about it? I wanna okay. hear what they say about it. <laughs> the IDS is just like an article about how it exists. But when you click on all this stuff, um, I'm gonna read what the application actually says so that I'm not in my efforts to be like sarcastic or funny, I okay. change the words. So, and I thought this was interesting for me at least to mentally explore this while thinking of our conversation a couple of weeks ago where I said that you couldn't get me to be on a school board for a million trillion dollars. Okay, so it's got, you know, the little job description of identifying inequitable policies, practices, and protocols within city government, and not to be a jerk, but the Black Lives Matter training that happened with the county last weekend would be helpful with that, or something similar. Uh, evaluate the disproportionate effect said policies and practices have on Black, Latinx, and Indigenous residents and visitors present a set of recommendations, and then it says, task force members will receive no financial compensation, but 
will help shape the future of Bloomington and Monroe County. This work requires a personal commitment of up to two years, so applicants should consider their ability to commit their time and personal energy before applying. And so my issue with this is that it guarantees only professional people with the flexibility to say, I'm gonna go fight racism for a while, boss, and commit that kind of time without getting paid for it. And I can tell you as someone who has tried to do committees and like local boards and committees and stuff, and what I have found is that the ones that actually get stuff done and have people that come to the meetings regularly and do things are the ones that are made up of representatives from paid jobs. <laughs> so like when Prevent Child Abuse had someone that had to come from CASA and someone that had to come from uh, Youth Services Bureau and someone that had to come from MCCSC and someone that had to come from blah, 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 then we had lots of people coming to the meetings. But when it sort of dwindled into people like me, who wasn't actually representing anything and had to take time out of my paying job to do it, it dwindled significantly. Because it's it's hard to do these things when I, I know it's just like, but how? I think I think we we so we came from that um, divided community. Project. Yeah, in Chicago. Yeah. Okay, so 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 we're we're working with the same group of people out of uh, Ohio State to put these two things together. We have this, and then we have something about uh, reimagining police. You know, we we so we've got two things that we're supposed to be putting together. And the idea we we have a cross section. We're we're trying to get people that normally wouldn't be be gotten. You know, we're, we're, we're asking IU to pick a certain amount of people. We're asking the county uh, to pick a certain amount of people. We're asking, follow me? We're trying yeah. to just reach out. Churches, it's not easy. I mean, we, we, we're trying to make sure that we're not getting the same people that we always get, right? Yeah. It, it doesn't help to preach to the choir. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? No, I... And with you in getting so we want real representation. Uh, homeless, we it's we're trying. So we'll how are you how gonna get? I mean, they have to fill out this form. Well, maybe they could do it. At the, is the library open? It's I open, right? No, yeah, I, I have no idea. Because that's, that's that's beyond my pay grade. I just know what we talk about. You know me. I'm a big picture person. Don't ask me about details. <laughs> I can't I gotcha. tell you the damn name of stuff half the time. I'm just, tell me where the meeting to go. Tell me what it's about. And I'll tell you what I think. And then I'm out. And then you're out. <laughs> and then you're like, I said that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. We're trying. But yeah, I understand. It, it's the same thing about with PTO. We remember the same thing when, um, yeah. when Nicole was with the PTO group and uh, and they're meeting in the middle of the day. They're meeting for lunch with the principal, right? Who can do that? What parent can actually do that? Like she's the only black parent that could actually do that at the time when we were at no at uh, Tri North. Oh my gosh! Tri no. North, yeah. And I then have the never had a PTO that met during school. Like they've always met in the evening, which I hate. And I'm like, can we meet earlier? Because I'm a big baby. But I agree that we should meet after work hours. And, and of course, you know, um, 
Tri North has an interesting uh, intersection of poor and wealthy. Yeah. If you really think about it, you know, because you, you you have all of Hyde Park that goes to Tri North. You have uh, you follow me. You have Blue Ridge. You have all these Lanham Ridge View. You have all these places that still yeah. go to Tri North. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tri North is a middle school for grades seven and eight for people who aren't local. And it's it's in a traditionally, but now starting to be gentrified, but a traditionally um, poor area. The poorest of Bloomington go to Tri North or Monroe County go to Tri North, but also some of the richest. So the people that are on the PTO, they're usually the mothers that uh, they are always the mothers that have connections. Mm-hmm. It's in, it was interesting, you know. So anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, so- that she kept saying, "Hey, why don't we do these in the, in the evening? Why don't we do these things?" <laughs> you, you notice that we're the same people over and over. They're powerful groups because they have a lot of money. Yeah. And so I'm saying we we continue to do this. You're making decisions for everyone, but everyone is not at the table. Yeah. 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 Uh, that makes me think that I should do another plug for listening to Nice White Parents if you haven't already. I think it's a great podcast. And I say that having only listened to half of it and I have to listen to the other half. It's like six episodes and it's in, just go listen to it because I swear there were PTO meetings on there that they were describing in the podcast that I think I've, I've been at sim- PTO meetings with similar issues. When I thought of that podcast, there was a thread on Facebook and I didn't read it because it had a kabillion, million, trillion comments on it. There was an article about the podcast, Nice White Parents. And some of the people in the thread drew the conclusion from the podcast that integration isn't possible to do, really. Hmm. Okay. Um, and what happens in nice white parents is the the white parents come into a school that is uh, primarily black and brown students, and they take over and make it theirs. And so my listening to it didn't make me think that integration couldn't happen. It made me think that white people can be real jerks and are racist. And that the racism that we carry frequently, particularly in liberal white people, is a kind of racism that we can't really see. So we think we're being helpful when actually we're being, at best, blind to the needs of other people in the room. I got to be a listener, for the most part, for the training last weekend one thing that I did say that I thought was helpful was that whenever I think I'm about to be helpful, I know I should not speak in situations about race, particularly. Hmm. I wish I had that same filter. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mind being wrong, Amy. I don't mind saying, you know, I was stupid then. It's my human right to be wrong, to not be perfect. Yes, it is. I know that I've said this on the podcast before, but I I have always loved this little quote from Leo Buscaglia where he says, oh, I said that last Tuesday. I, I'm not the same person I was last Tuesday. Why would you hold me to that? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so. Oh, boy. I hope, I hope we don't have any uh, 
listeners that storm the Capitol that uh, that will take that uh, little nugget and use that as their defense. What? Th that they did something last week and they're totally changed now. Oh, <laughs> right, 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 right. I gotcha. <laughs> Totally changed. Don Griffin said it. I listened to uh, my racist friend and he said, yeah, no, that's not what I mean. No, that does sound interesting. The, uh, that podcast you're talking about, actually, I, I may, I, I may have to actually listen to that one. Yeah. Kevin says, but not ours. <laughs> <laughs> you know, while I'm on there, Kevin, once I dial in, I don't even know what's, uh, what channel it is, what station to dial in. To get what? it. To get to get what? To the podcast. Do is it You think there's like a channel? Is there there's no is there a radio station channel that I can I have no idea how to get to a podcast. You can find this podcast. It feels a little bit silly to say this on our podcast since <laughs> presumably anyone Guys, I'm just you know I'm teasing. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Um, Kevin okay. says, if you just call us, he'll play it for you over the phone. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> oh Particularly if, if you are remembering your <laughs> wife's experience with PTO. So it's basically about white folks. Uh, it sounds like an invasion. Yeah, it feels like an invasion to me when I listen to it. That's kind of what happens in, uh, I mean, the, just the whole idea of gentrifying mm -hmm. a community is interesting um i remember and this this isn't even a racist thing i remember there used to be a gun range behind university school district or university oh i do district. remember that because we used to walk the dogs back there right it's, it's, yeah. it, it's uh and my dad was since he was a police officer you know he would go there for i remember he was in some kind of a police olympics and they had it there huh. and so he yeah he so he was like in the shooting you know where you go through a thing and you shoot around and it was there, you know, it's like a, I don't remember if it was state or national or what, but it was kind of cool. Anyway. I mean, I think the, the road is actually called range road, right? Yeah. So a developer decides to develop all this land called, it's called Lanham Ridgeview. Each lot is probably a, a lot. I know there was a lot that was $400,000 in Lanham Ridgeview. A lot a lot they're big lots it might be 15 acres but the the cheapest lot that you could probably find in that neighborhood is two hundred thousand for a lot for a five acre lot wow and for non-local listeners this is in indiana this is in, <laughs> Not this is in bloomington, California. bloomington yeah. indiana yeah <laughs> so and prices are high in bloomington compared to other places in indiana but it's still yeah uh, probably other places in the midwest is crazy yeah yeah so, and, and, and those numbers I'm talking about are from several years ago. I don't know the last time I've seen a, I haven't seen a lot for sale in Lanham Ridgeview probably in 10 years. So that's why I'm saying I, that, that those are old numbers that I'm talking about. Mm. So anyway, wow. you had that neighborhood, you had Devonshire, which was another upscale neighborhood mm -hmm. that was built after the, you know, because the gun range has been there for years. There started to be some major complaints about the noise from the gun range. 
Mm. Even though they right? bought the stuff next they to the They bought the stuff next to the <laughs> So now they're like, oh my my because in, in Devonshire had has has a horse um has a place for horses. It's a, oh my gosh, a, yes. That's right. The, I used to run through that neighborhood. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. So Lanham Ridgeview is next to Devonshire. It's like it's like Devonshire on crack. It's like Yes. So, okay, so, I know where you mean now. You know where I'm talking about. Yes. So of course, so these people they buy the land knowing where it's at, and then the next thing you know, there's just mass hysteria about the danger of living next to a gun range, and what if, what if this, and what if this, and their kids, and all this other stuff. What if someone shoots the gun like you were yeah, just moving your hand around yeah, pretending to be your dad? And it, they shut that thing down. They shut it down. It was there first. I'm not saying I'm all about gun, but you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I know what uh, you're it, saying. It's the same. It's the same thing. Uh, Indianapolis, there are areas like where my grandparents lived or used to live. They were cut off when they did 465. Neighborhoods were cut off intentionally. African-American neighborhoods were cut off from other neighborhoods intentionally by the highway by the the road that goes around um mm -hmm. you know so it made access to get to downtown where the jobs it made it harder for african-americans to do that right? yeah yeah so 465 uh, is the highway that makes a circle around indy around indianapolis yeah so if you were outside of that you're kind of screwed right mm -hmm. but now check this out now there's a revitalization going on and uh, and the city is concerned about how do we connect these neighborhoods that are outside of the loop into how do we make it more accessible to them, <laughs> right? <laughs> because it's been gentrified. Like why the white people are now seeing it, and they're like, okay, so it wasn't a concern before, but now that it's gentrified. Yeah, yeah, they're making walkways and all kinds of not really cool ways. They're, they're putting art in the arches of, <laughs> it makes me mad as hell, right? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't a thing. I mean, and you're talking about disenfranchised people that had problems with transportation, right? This yeah, yeah. Choice. This is a choice for people that already have a car. They just want to be able to bike into work now. And, yeah. and I think that's interesting to look at how, like, these things that we don't think of, and, and I think that, you know, harks back to the nice white parents thing, these things that we don't think of that we take for granted or that we just assume they are there because of reasons, but actually they perpetuate inequity. And it's important to be able to shine light on it, like to really be able to see it so that we can fix it yeah or at least change how we're thinking about it mm. yeah what else did you have on your list because i got completely off subject well i, I always, actually I always do that to you <laughs> well actually i have an rct thing that i sort of wanted to talk about a little bit if we could so lashawn uh dr lashawn williams who's been on the show before she and i made these like short little videos about rct ideas relational cultural theory ideas and how they relate to anti-oppression work. One of the topics that we covered is the idea of a strategy of disconnection 
is what it's called. And it's also called a strategy of survival. And the idea behind this concept is that we want to be in relationship that like on some level, we know that we have to be in relationships to survive. And we are afraid of losing relationships. So we hide parts of ourselves. We do, we'd use what's called strategies of disconnection to stay connected. An example would be uh, when Maureen talks about them, she talks about using manners as a strategy of disconnection that like, well, we don't talk about that because it would be upsetting to people at the table if we talked about politics, like that kind of thing. And now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm realizing that it really is a hard thing to explain. So I thought maybe if... Yeah, because I'm still confused. I'm listening to you. Okay, so... I, I, I'm still trying to figure out what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the ways that we act around people that we want to be close to or have a connection with, but we're afraid to be our real selves with them. So we develop like these ways of being like when I waitressed or worked at a bank and like all of the little things that I had to do as a woman, like to not get upset. Like it was okay for people to comment on my <laughs> legs. It was okay to say I looked sexy. It was okay to hit my butt when I walked through the waitress, when I was a waitress, you know, like all those things. And I had to be like, oh, that's okay. And I had to pretend that it didn't bother me or that I liked that I liked it even because otherwise I was a bitch and I needed those relationships. So my strategy of disconnection would be, oh, that just means he likes me. And that I just did my big fake smile. But so that would be a strategy of disconnection where you don't, you don't say something or you don't show a part of yourself because that part of yourself could result in the relationship falling apart. Well, shit. I know for me, that's my daily life. Right. Yes. Right? That's my daily life. That's for, for women. That's their daily. How many times do you hear something that's just inappropriate and, and you don't say anything because you'd be looked at as a bitch. How's that sound? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, or I'd be looked at as, as the angry black man. Yeah. With, with me, they're not scared of me so much as annoyed by me. With you, they suddenly would get scared. And yeah. fear is, and fear is uh, scary. <laughs> it's a dumb thing to say, but you know what I mean? I mean, everybody, I think, does, it, does this. Yes. Um, on a daily basis. But in reality, for African Americans, or not just African, people of color, when they are living in an environment that is not purely theirs, well, that's their reality. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. And another name for these is strategies of survival. A absolutely. Mm -hmm. And the problem, though, is if all of your relationships use these, you don't get like the growth fostering authentic relationships that feel really good. They're, they're few and far between. Yeah. I mean, you, you almost have to create this persona of yourself, right? Yeah. And you have to stay within that scale, the skeleton that you just created. Yeah. It'll be out of, it would be weird for me to go and hit someone 
right? I'm just saying. <laughs> it would be weird for you to say, I wish I could hit someone. But I do. But we all do that. I think it would be weird to see uh, Joe Biden hit Donald Trump, even though it would be so awesome. <laughs> so awesome. Maybe they could have a push-up contest. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what they remind <laughs> me of. There's a Jerry Seinfeld episode where where this guy keeps ch- challenging Jerry to like a push-up. You know, like. Oh, that's funny. He's gonna he's gonna fight this one guy, and then he's like, "Well, I'm gonna get my dad on you." And the the dad is older, and then his dad challenges Gums and challenges Jerry Seinfeld to a fight. It's hilarious. <laughs> but one of the guys, he reminds me of like uh, of those those two. Um, at oh. the end, they're all in the hospital. Oh, right. <laughs> People who know Seinfeld know know what I'm talking about. The problem is, like, the ones that you and I are talking about make good sense, right? You want to keep your job. You want to have these relationships. You Yes, but you do. But, I mean, sometimes the stuff is really bad. Sometimes the things that are said to you are really bad or done to you are really bad. You know, that were made to hurt my family. But you have to keep it inside. If you're actually able to choose when you use your strategies of survival slash strategies of disconnection, that in and of itself is something because some people can't, uh, they don't have an awareness of them. Like they're so deeply ingrained that they think it's real. Like they think that the thing about them is so horrible it could never come out or the world would crumble. Not really, but like they're, they have that much of a stress reaction to it. So being able to go through your day in a job that requires a certain number of strategies of survival and then go to your home or out with your friends or someplace where you don't have to use them and you get to represent your full self, that is one thing. The other thing if you do choose, if you are using the strategies of survival, then a lot of times, you know, like you just said, things that are created to hurt you don't get changed. Mm-hmm. That's where it gets so messy. I think I know where you're going with it. I, um, and I'm willing to admit that and I, I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks now, and it's been agging at me. And I, I, I really haven't wanted to tell anybody. It's not only something that I would do. I'm just, I like that new Justin Bieber song. And I don't know how holding to... my mouth the whole time you were leading up to this because I couldn't tell what you were doing. <laughs> you know the one where he's so lonely. I don't know. You don't know that song? Anything current. Oh my God. It's actually a really good song. And I'm like, oh my God. I, I, this is, this is, he's talking about, you know, fame, how he had fame and everything at an early age. And people did, you you know, and just poor guy. And now he's just, he's so lonely. It's hard. It's so hard, but it's a good song. I don't know. I just thought I'd share. I, I I I think that's what we're talking about. That was brave. It was brave, right? Yes, you really stepped into a brave a brave. Well, I feel like I'm in a comfortable space. <laughs> I'm in a, I'm in a, 
<laughs> I'm in a space that 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 doesn't mind my authenticity. <laughs> yeah, I, a lot of a lot of my musical choices have came out here. I've talked about uh, that that uh, that I like Kanye. I've told you that he's a genius. He really is. But uh, there's that fine line. Yeah, I think it's entirely possible to be a genius and to do things that I don't like. Like that's reasonable. <laughs> I mean, chemical imbalance is a real thing, Amy. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, we're getting. I'm getting. A, we're getting off the subject about racism, <laughs> but I, I guess the best way to describe it is you're on drugs, but you're not on drugs. It's your body is producing this chemical imbalance, and you do things that are I odd, mean, but it's not your fault. I mean, right? Or no? Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about like uh, being manic. Manic or bipolar, you know, bipolar or... Well, that's so messy. Like the whole tormented genius as an artist trope thing is sort of yucky. But yes, I... I'm not just saying artists. I'm saying just people in general, yes. you know? Yes, and it is, I remember someone telling me that quitting drugs was easier than voluntarily taking a medication to stop them from being manic because they really liked... They really liked the mania. The mania, yeah. And they didn't like the coming down afterward and realizing some of the things that they had... Oh, uh, yeah. ...done. I can but see that. I, I think it's risky to try to imagine anyone's experience. We can just be open to listening and... Mm -hmm. And understanding that Bieber's life is hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, <sighs> I'm trying to read one of these things about racism and I feel like it's too much. Like I really needed to have time to absorb it. It was about a pastor in Texas who left the Southern Baptists of Texas convention. He's black and then got a super racist letter in response and just sort of, it was one of those stories. I'm pretty sure that while I read it, I'd be like, oh my God, Oh my God, is that real? <laughs> the The guy in Texas was pretty pretty sad. He already left the Southern Baptists of Texas, and he may leave the Southern Baptist Convention. I think my dad belongs to the Southern Baptist Convention. Well, this this guy this pastor said he has witnessed a pattern of racism within the Texas group since the early two thousands, including recent incidents involving a pastor and a very blatantly racist, the most blatantly racist letter he has ever received. But his exit stems directly from the state convention's adoption of a resolution that condemns critical race theory as incompatible with the Baptist faith. I believe he's right. But by saying that, I'm also saying negative things about the Baptist Church, especially the Southern Baptist Church. Yeah, I mean, it took him this long to decide to to figure out <laughs> oh that the Southern Baptist Church is racist. <laughs> Give me a damn break, dude. I, I, I I'm sorry. I know, I know, I don't. I, I I mean, I hear you, but you know, um, I'm I'm not a fan of the fundamentalism stuff. I mean, I know you're not an expert and I don't know like who we, who might talk to us about this. It'd be interesting. But like he said, since the 2000s, is this like something that has gotten worse? worse? Like, was it, was it 
okay for a while and then it got worse i don't see sort of how. like children's tv i don't i don't i don't see how I, I i think it's it's always been bad maybe he just woke up in 2000 Huh. It just, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I mean, it, it, you're in a, the Southern Baptist. First of all, you said it's, it's Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're and you're in Texas. Uh huh. And so you're, you're complaining like, about racism. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> I. I <laughs> yeah, I don't feel sorry for him. The National Southern Baptist Convention apparently has a resolution from the past. I don't know the history of this that includes a positive reference to critical race theory. So this new thing would be undoing it. It'd be like if one of the Christian churches that had, you know, had a big painful meeting and then said, actually, same-sex marriage is okay, then had a meeting to decide, mm, not between same-sex, though. Okay, but see... If you're Southern Baptist, you don't believe in you do not believe in same sex marriage. You well, think you think right. gay people they're not are going the example to, I had in mind. You, you think gay people are <laughs> you think they, you think they're going to hell? I mean, you you think everybody who does not abide strictly by the Bible, your interpretation of it is doomed and going to hell. Life is too. I, I don't have time for that shit. So <laughs> I just don't. Women do not cannot preach. They cannot be at the front of the pulpit. Dinosaurs didn't exist because they're not in the Bible. And, that, you know, at the age of 12, I'm like, this is not for me. Because, you know, I grew up. I mean, you know, you tell, you're going to sit here and argument with me in Sunday school class about there not being dinosaurs. Like, you really had that argument in Sunday school? I did, yes, I did. Wow. Yeah. I did. What what gives you life? We should talk about what's given you life. Mm. Oh, it's funny. My house is a mess, and so is my office. It's like we've been in this major depression, and it was we were depressed before, but the, when COVID hit, it made it even worse, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we've literally been like changing things around and take cleaning all the shelves and just like redoing everything right just to so that because it's a new day you know and i think mm -hmm. you need that and so i we're, i'm finding we're doing the same thing around the house too like there's nothing and, and and it's scary when you blow things up you know yeah it's a little scary when you blow things up but like at the office it's i'm starting to see the results the the house not so much. I have too many coats. That's, oh, coats, man. They're so bulky. I know, but I, I hate the winter. So what makes me excited is my coats. And your sweaters. And my sweaters. I got lots of sweaters, lots of coats, lots of shoes. God, <laughs> I, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I'm not a terrible person, folks. I, we all know that you're not a terrible person. I know, but that's it's bad to have that. When, when so many We're talking are, about what gives you life. You can't turn it back around into something about being a terrible person. Okay. <laughs> that's the rule. I I have been doing something similar to that too. I've been, I'm sure you remember my organizational skills from our early days. And um, <laughs> they just haven't improved a whole lot. But I've been 
trying to make my little workspace something that I like so that I can reach the things that I want while I work, even though I won't be here forever. I'll be back in the office at some point, but I've got my nice shelf of all these kid books. I like so, it. I like it. So, yeah. Yeah. Seems so like you, similar things are giving us yeah, cl- life I, I, this week. Yeah. The, the back of my office at the, at, at my office, I never go back there, but now I've been going back there. That's cool. I've finally got, got it to a that's place nice. where it's like, I can, I feel comfortable. And then maybe the thing that's giving me life with that will help Kevin uh, arrange the mic in such a way. So I won't sound like a drum set. Oh, yeah, and it's attached to the table. So every time you're like banging against the, oh, man. <laughs> All right, I think we've done our job. I'm sure Kevin has good stuff in here somewhere. I, I feel positive. See you later, Don. Bye. Bye. This episode of My Racist Friend is a production of the Bloomington Center for Connection, an organization using relational cultural theory to promote social change through connection. This conversation between Don Griffin Jr. and Amy McKeese, LCSW, took place in separate locations in Indiana on Thursday, February 4th, 2021, and was edited for this podcast by Kevin McKeese. Additional research provided by our BCC interns, Riley Cook and Constance Johnson. Theme music lovingly sampled from Your Racist Friend by They Might Be Giants. Follow the Bloomington Center for Connection on Facebook and other social media platforms. <laughs> I have a very subdued and sophisticated laugh. <laughs> <laughs>